Hey, this is Steve Balton. You're here on My Turning Point, where this week have the incredible honor and pleasure of speaking with Belinda Carlisle, soon to be Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee, as the front woman for the Go-Go's. Incredible conversation with Belinda on living in France and how that turned her on to the likes of Serge Gainsbourg, playing a show in Mexico just recently for 55 kids at a punk rock show. The Go-Go's upcoming tour, so much more. Belinda has an incredible adventurous spirit and she was kind enough to share that with us. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. I'm very, very, very excited to talk to you today. So, uh, and you know, it's funny, I was just posting about this in regards to an interview I did with Debbie Gibson. So my job, if this is your third of the day, my job is to come up with new and interesting things to ask <laughs> you have not talked about before. So oh. I like that challenge as the journalist. So by the way, are you still, are you, is LA home these days? No, no, no. I was in, I live in Thailand. Um, wow. Okay. I'm in, I've, I've been, I was in France for 24 years and then I was in Thailand Oh, for five years. And we just left, I'm in Mexico city right now. Um, just waiting for the, the, the mess to clean itself up. I don't know, but there ever will, cause it's the country's in, in terrible shape. So we're going to go back probably at the end of the year. Back to Thailand or? Yeah, probably back to Thailand. Yeah. I haven't lived in the States for since 94. Wow. Okay. <laughs> See, that's always so interesting to me as well, because I talk about this with people all the time, how environment affects writing. So do you find yourself writing about the different places that you're in? Well, it's funny because, um, you know, living in Asia and then I I was in Goa in uh, India for a while um, also. So, um, but, and I, I did actually, I was got really into um, Hindi devotional music, uh, Sufi music, and I ended up doing, because I chant a lot anyway. I do, ch- I chant every day. I do um, Gurmukhi chant, which is like Punjabi. Uh, the Sikh, in the Sikh religion, they, they, uh, they, their Bible is uh, in Gurmukhi. So I've been doing Gurmukhi chants for probably almost 30 years. And so I did it, being in India and living in Asia, I thought I'm going to do a devotional album. So I did one. About I think it can't, I, life's you know the years are a blur now, but it was out about five years ago. It was called Wilder Shores, and it's all it's not kirtan, but it's mantra, uh, powerful mantras uh, put into a pop song format. So yes, as so I answering your question, yes, sometimes the environments do affect uh, where I want to go with music. If I'm not even if I'm I mean. The, the Gamuki album I did write um, the music to, but yeah, I mean, it, it does affect my, you know, when I lived in France, I got really into Serge Gainsbourg and Edith Piaf and, and Jacques Brel, Leo Ferre. So I became really immersed into French pop music and did a French album. So, Interesting. All right. So being in Mexico city, have you gotten very immersed in, are there artists that you've gotten very immersed in there? Uh, no, but I did a punk rock gig over the last weekend in a Mexican punk rock club with um, a couple um, uh, local all-girl punk bands, really young. And I did it with a friend of mine from the L.A. punk scene, Alice Bag, and she was a singer of a, of a punk band called The Bags. And we just did um, a show on, uh, this past Saturday and yeah, I mean, I love Latin music anyway. So who knows? Maybe I'll go there. I don't know what I'm going to do next. So who knows? 
All right, wait, what was it like doing a Mexican punk show? I imagine that's, you know, it's funny. Did it take you back to the early days of the LA clubs? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it certainly did. Um, first of all, it was as dirty as a mask, you know, <laughs> where, where I kind of, uh, where I started back when I was like 17 to 18 years old, the 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 premier punk club in LA. Um Dirty, sticky, didn't want to put anything down or like, you know, just watch what you touched. And um, so that was like, wow, I haven't done that. And then doing, tuning up on stage, not having a room to tune, you know. So we did that in front of an audience, which, and it was an unannounced show. So there's only like 50 kids. I mean, literally kids, um, which was, it was so much fun and so joyful. Um, but like, Having the amp, you know, blow up on stage when you're singing and you go, oh, actually nothing's coming out of here. <laughs> and having to stop the set and tune and go through the wires, like, you know, right in front of an audience. So it brought back all those, um, you know, those early days when that kind of shit happened to us all the time. Interesting. You know, it's funny. I love that symmetry, that full circle of that you're doing this going back to the days of the mask in, you know, figuratively, just as you're about to be inducted into the Rock Hall. Yeah, it's funny, huh? I mean, yeah, I mean, that's my next show is doing the Rock Hall. You know, I think at this point in my life, it's because um, I just turned 63. Um, it's just about joy. You know, really, you know, and then especially in the, in, in the, with the world the way it is, it's just, I just want, I, I just want to give people joy. I just want to experience joy. And that's all it's about. And I found going back, you know, to my beginnings this past Saturday was just, it just brought me so much joy and so much pleasure. And it was just, you know, it, it was just a wonderful, wonderful experience for me to, to be able to be reminded, you know, and not that I forgot, but, but yeah, it was great. It was really great. So I'll just do weird things. I mean, I don't necessarily want to follow any sort of like, you know, timeline and I have to do this and that and do this and that, but I just want to shake it up a little bit and do things that are weird and, and unex unexpected. All right. So wait, what's the dream unexpected thing to do? What would be the craziest unexpected thing that you haven't done yet? Um, as far as music, yeah. Um, hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I just did it, so um, I can't think. That's a kind of a hard question. So yeah, I know I, it's funny. I'm trying to think of an example, and it's like you know, because like you say, the 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 type of things that you're talking about, they always come along unexpectedly. Exactly. You can't really plan it. So. Um, but I will say it, it, I'm going to start doing things like that more often. I think that was what I got out of it is that it's really important to do the unexpected, you know, and not, you know, that's kind of what I've done anyway in my life. I mean, I've always done weird things always, always since, since the beginning, um, you know, I've done everything from doing a cooking show to being on the clever cover of playboy to doing a punk show. So I'm always doing weird things. And, you know, I don't know. I, I guess I, 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 I'm not that fearful. I've never been a fearful person. So that's probably kind of why I do things that aren't, um, 
that are unexpected. Well, you know, it's funny because you guys just announced some shows in the UK with Billy Idol, who mm-hmm. is uh, one of my favorites. And he and I just had an amazing conversation. And it's funny because you say you're 63. He just turned 65. And we talked about the fact that when you hit that point, you know, and especially, you know, for him, he's a grandfather. He's had so much success as you've had so much success. You reach a certain point where it just becomes about the music again. You've kind of gone through all the success and it just becomes about having fun. And it's no longer about being on MTV as he, but, you know, because he was talking about how MTV really fucked up his life and all that fame because he came out of the UK punk scene and you're totally unknown. And then all of a sudden you walk into an airport and everybody knows who the hell you are, you know? And of course you go from playing the mask to having number one records being on Saturday night live. And it's nice to come back to a point where you're like, yeah, that's all cool. I can go play a Mexican punk show now. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what it's about. It's like, I have no pretenses. I've done through, you know, been through, you know, number one albums and, you know, all the ego stuff. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's great. I feel like that was a really important thing for me to, and I didn't realize it at the time, it was a really important thing for me to have experienced, you know, and I just thought, I need to do more of this. I need to do more things. I mean, you know, it's, you know, I never do anything I don't want to do. Well, sometimes you have to, I guess. But, but I mean, just do things that are like kind of crazy like that. And I, and I, I just loved it. So I'm sure there'll be more opportunities for craziness. There's always opportunities for craziness. <laughs> the, you know, craziness never goes out of style. So absolutely. It's interesting that, wait, let's, because I talk about this with artists all the time, those artists that you kind of admire for the way that they evolve and grow. But when you think of those artists who got to be craziest as they evolved in their career and really just had that don't give a fuck about anything attitude, who were those couple of artists that you admire for the way that they were just like, don't yeah, care. I don't give a shit what you say. <laughs> Iggy. Iggy's still like that. Um, I think John Lydon is still like that. I love that. I love that people that people that don't care. I really do. I mean, I wish I could be like that. I'm there that way to, to a point, but I still do care, you know? So when I see that, it's like, whoa, this is so cool, you know? So I'm, I mean, those are the two people that come off uh, off the top of my head. I think um, Morrissey is one of those people, not that I agree with everything he says, but, but I think I have to, I, I admire people who don't give a fuck. I really do. Yeah. You know, no, so I, always, I. I was born a contrarian. So, so um, the, I really respond to that. Okay. Wait, who's the greatest contrarian in the history of rock? I asked you about people now, but who is that artist? who the greatest contrarian in the history of that one artist, when you think of them, they were the definition of, I don't give a fuck. Well, the sex pistols for sure. I mean, that's kind of a hard question because I, it's like, I have to really think about it because there's so many, you know, something Serge Gainsbourg. That's, that's my, that's my guy, you know? I mean, actually, you know, when he was the first punk rocker, you know, I mean, you know, I, I became a huge Serge, Serge fan living in France. And then there's a great biography on him called Fistful of Jetons, which I really recommend. And he did not give a fuck at any point in his career, you know, up until the end. So I think he was, 
I think he was the great, the greatest contrarian in music for sure. Nice. A lot, a lot of Americans don't know about him, but he was, you know, even if you don't know his music, you should read about him because he is the, 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 the greatest contrarian in music ever. Okay. Well, you know, it's funny. Let's take this to the tour for a second and then we'll come back to the rock hall. But for you, when you've reached this point where you get to just have fun with everything and get to enjoy the craziness, what do you think about going back out on the road at the end of the year? Does that make it more fun for you because you are just doing something that you enjoy doing? There's no pressure with it? Um, yeah. And I think that, you know, on a very subtle level, having not that I care about awards or, you know, platitudes and all that stuff. I really don't. Never have. Um, but there's something about that, especially, you know, uh, in America that gives you a little bit of extra, I don't, I wouldn't call it confidence. I guess it is confidence in a way to like, I guess people like me, <laughs> I guess I, I guess I did good work, you know, um, because given the nature of the music, the kind of music that we come from, well, we, you know, came from punk, but we always had pop influences. And then being sort of, um, until the documentary being sort of written off as like a, a, like a fluffy pop band, you know, if, if you didn't really pay attention to the lyrics, that's what, that's what you kind of, you know, if you want to put the Go-Go's in a kind of, in a box, that's what a lot of people put the Go-Go's in that box of like oh, disposable pop. But I mean, I think with, with the, documentary and and stuff that made people sort of pay attention like if it had been for the documentary I'm not so sure well maybe we would have been inducted because you know we were the first of our kind but the the story that was told in that documentary which Alison Elba did a great job with um you can't really deny that even if you don't like the music that the, the impact that the Go-Go's have had and and what we achieve. So I guess getting that kind of award gives you like, well, I guess we did do good work, you know, even though I don't need to be told that it's kind of like, sort of like a cherry on, you know, on, on top of everything I've, we've done. Well, it's so interesting though, because I mean, it's, it's like, okay, right. So the first album came out in 81, correct? Right. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I was actually 12 living in LA at the time. So I remember it so distinctly and seeing you guys at the Greek theater, but it's funny because, right. So you were technically eligible for the rock hall 2006. This mm -hmm. is such a fascinating thing that exists. Uh, I talked about this with Billy. I, I noticed it. It's funny more than anybody. I've noticed it with two artists that I think you are huge fans of or appreciate Leonard Cohen and Nick Cave. Those artists who stick around so long and all of a sudden it's like you just hang around and with time, everybody is like, you know, Nick Cave was always cool in the underground. And then all of a sudden you got Brad Pitt and Chris Martin at his shows and he's headlining the forum. And the idea of Nick Cave 10 years ago headlining the forum, you would have like, yeah. So it's interesting for you. Was there a moment where you started to notice it with the Go-Go's where the tide was turning? Was there a sort of a turning point moment where you realized, oh shit, everybody is actually appreciating us to the point that now we're going to... Uh, yeah, I think probably five or six years ago when I just said, wow, I can't, it's, it's kind of weird that um, everybody knows who the Go-Go's are. And it's kind of like, in a way, we're bigger than we ever were, you know, I, 
maybe not in terms of of album sales, but maybe in terms of infamy. I don't know. You know, I mean, and just yeah, we're one of those artists that have been around. I mean, we've taken breaks, and you know, we don't work so often, but but. There is, there are certain artists that sort of transcend transcend um, music, and they become something else. And I think maybe the Go Go's, maybe I, I don't know, maybe I'm tooting my own horn, and I know I don't make any sense, but but uh, yeah, I think five or six years ago, I thought, oh my god, the Go Go's are bigger than ever. I mean, we were playing you know huge places, you know, sold out, and um, you know there were, I get, I think from like. 2000, uh, when we got back, no, wait, like 1990 through to maybe the early 2000s, it wasn't so great, you know? I mean, we did we did good work. We, did, we had God bless the go-go's, but, and then all of a sudden after that, it just like, wow, it exploded. You can't really explain that, you know? Who knows? Yeah. So it's interesting for you, though. Was there a point then as this was happening? I mean, it's funny. Can you look back on it now? And then understand why this happened. Because obviously the other thing too is, like you say, no one else had really done what you did. So there was such an influence. So can you look back on it now, almost from the standpoint of be a fan and appreciate why everybody, you know, continues to come around to it? Well, I can't, I mean, I don't really know what happened, to be honest. I mean, I think maybe... You know, Charlotte sold. We got the beat to a lot of uh, for a lot of commercials and vacations, been and thing. I mean, maybe that sort of helped. But but I think I don't know. I mean, no, no one has ever sort of come along since that since the Go Go's to really do what we did. Maybe the Bangles, but um, I don't know. I can't really tell so I tell you why. Just all of a sudden, it was just like wow. What happened? You know, and I think that that I definitely think the documentary even added more sort of um, more to the mystique of the of the band, and and um, you know, I, I really th- think that if it wasn't for the like, I think I've mentioned it to you. I've done so many interviews today. If it wasn't for the documentary, I'm not so sure that we would have had the induction. Well, no, it's interesting. But the other thing about it too, right? And I talk about this with artists all the time. You're in the midst of going through something, right? Here you are, you're coming out of LA. All of a sudden you have this album that's massive. You know, you go straight to doing like Saturday Night Live, things of that nature. It's not like you have time to sit back and think about it. It's not like you're sitting there like, oh shit, we're doing this. It's like boom, boom, on to the next. So only when you get opportunities like this or when you have a documentary, can you look back and really reflect on everything that happened. So when you went back and watched the documentary, or when you think about it now, as you get ready for the Rock Hall speeches, are there things that surprise you? Are there things that you like hadn't thought about in years? And, and, or maybe also that you appreciate it in a different way, because when you're doing it, you're like, oh, cool, we're on Saturday Night Live. Now we're off in, you know, doing Fridays or whatever the hell you're doing. It was such a whirlwind. We didn't, okay, you know, one of the things I'm always asked is that, were you feminist? Is that, no, we, 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 we just didn't think in terms of gender. We didn't even have time to think, you know, we didn't, I mean, even, even um, when we were doing all those huge shows and we were huge, I mean, we, we were just on such a treadmill and, and, you know, always on the road, always doing promo. I mean, we didn't really have time to, to, to 
stop and think about what was going on, all the, all the success and all the fame and everything. I mean, um, I think, when, in fact, when I look back on it, we probably, the band probably would have fared a lot better if we had taken a break and maybe the band would have lasted longer, who knows. But um, I don't know. I mean, I think for me, the realization came to me of, um, of what we've done and what we've achieved is when I saw it on the big screen in Sundance is that I never really thought about, I mean, I knew what we did and I knew that we had, you know, an influence in music and I knew what we've achieved and I knew that it probably, I knew that it wasn't fair, even though I don't really care about awards so much that we weren't in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because it was just so obvious what we, what we had done against all odds. But I think when I saw it on the, on the big screen, it was like, wow. I mean, what we did is pretty incredible. And I never really thought in terms of that before. So I had a, 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 I, a new appreciation and respect for my bandmates um, but I think that was my wow moment is, is like seeing it on the big screen and just, I came to the realization of, of seeing it up there as a story and an incredible s- storytelling, um, was when I really got, wow, you know, I never really did that before, but it was until the documentary. All right. Let's talk to you with the music, by the way, too. And it's interesting because as we're talking about looking back, are there songs that you have a new appreciation for songs that you're excited to play that maybe, you know, you just, cause again, you write these songs when you're younger, you're doing them. And of course you've had 40 years since then you change. It's funny. One of the songs that I always go back to is this town. That is just one of those songs Joyous. that, yeah, it just sticks with you. It's just such a great song. Uh, I mean, I, I love the lyrics of the song. It, it sums up, sums up um, a time that doesn't exist anymore. And, you know, it was a time of innocence, but also we were so arrogant and we were like, we, you know, we were like invincible and could do anything. And, you know, we basically, because we lived right off of Hollywood Boulevard, we pretty much, you know, that was our, that was our street. You know, that was where we went to Johnny's Steakhouse. We rehearsed at the mask, you know, we were up and down Hollywood Boulevard. So that was our, that was just, and it was before it was too, it was not, it wasn't safe, but it wasn't too dangerous. So um, that kind of sums up that time. But I think for me, the one song and probably the one song that I love to sing because it kind of some, another song that sums up the go-go's probably towards the end is probably head over heels. Um, that kind of sums up fame you know, and the experience of that kind of fame and that kind of being under the microscope and the pressure that goes with that. It's such a bubbly song musically, but if you really pay attention to the lyrics, the lyrics are fantastic and and, uh, just so well-written and really sort of sum up, um, sum up the go-go's too. I mean, this town does and also head over heels. Interesting. When you go back and look at them, you know, now with this perspective, are there things in those songs that surprise you or that you appreciate in a different way? Oh, with all the songs. I mean, the whole Beauty and the Beat album. I haven't listened to that album in years and years and years for different reasons. I mean, um, because I just don't listen to my own music, but also, I mean, 
you know, I think it was touched upon in the documentary that the, the album was sped up a bit, you know, and so my vocal sounds sound, are sped up as well. So it doesn't really, I never really liked the way I sounded on that album, but I can listen to the album now and not, you know, just get over it. And the album is such an incredible album and, and, and just the harmonies and the, I mean, I never really appreciated that album until I just recently listened to it and just go, wow, you know, I mean, it's just the songs are so well crafted and that, you know, is due to, of course, Richard Goderer, but also, but they were well crafted before Richard Goderer. So <laughs> it just, um, it's, it, it sounds, I mean, it just made me realize that the, the talent in the band. And then I just, like I said earlier, I just have a new, a new respect for everybody. Everybody, they're, they're awesome, awesome, awesome musicians and writers that I work. I have the privilege of working with. All right. So it's interesting for you as well. And we'll make these last couple questions, but are there artists that you look at now that you see that Go-Go's influence or that you hear from all the time that like, okay, so let's say for example, for the All-Star Jam, who would be the one or two artists coming up that you feel like would be the perfect people to jam on stage with the Go-Go's? Oh gosh. Um, to be honest, I don't really know that many up and coming artists. I don't really, I don't, that's not the kind of music I listen to. I listen to, you know, weird sort of, you know, everything from Miles Davis to Hindu devotional music. So, um, I don't know. They have, I mean, I, I see a lot of the Go-Go's and Miley actually, you know, I mean, she doesn't care. I don't think, you know, and I love that. And I respond to that and I respect that. So that would be a good person. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's the only person I can really think of. All right. So what, what go-go song would you want Miley to sing with you? Well, I mean, I know what songs we're going to do so that we already have to do, but if, if there's any, any go-go song that I would have is it probably would be, uh, this town, this town, this town is, is kind of, it, 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 it's, it's very her too. I think uh, lyrically, I think it's very her. So. Yeah, I'd say an obvious question as well. Are there artists that you're particularly excited to see there or meet? Like, I don't know if Tina Turner will be able to be there because of health, but I mean, obviously, you know, you're being inducted the same year as Carol King. You know, I, I've worked with Carol and she's like, she's like, like one of the nicest people. So I'm happy about that. But I was, you know, a little anecdote. Um, my first band, okay. Back in, my first band was, I was a drummer in a band called The Germs. It was like a seminal LA punk band. And I was a drummer that never played because I, I was 17 and came down with mononucleosis. And uh, I had to go back home to my parents. And my, um, my friend in art class, Becky, became Donna Rhea, which was the first um, drummer in The Germs. And actually, Pat Smear was in The Germs with me. And so we were in our first bands together, or, you know, The Germs. So, and I actually met him trying to get Freddie Mercury's autograph at the Beverly Hilton back in 1976. So when the Foo Fighters and the Go-Go's are both inducted, he sent me a text. He said, isn't it amazing? We've gone from The Germs to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We thought that was hysterical, actually. Okay, wait. I have to ask an important question. Did you get Freddie Mercury's autograph? No, but we found out his room number. So I went, it was Lorna, who is in the germs, Darby, 
or Bobby, Darby, Darby Crash, who was in the germs, Pat and me, we found out his, his uh, room number. We went and knocked on his, had the balls to go knock on his door at the Beverly Hilton. He didn't open it up. Not that, you know, in, in my experience having that happen, I don't open my door either. So, <laughs> um, so uh, we never got his autograph. All right. What would you have said to him if you did, if he opened the door? Or what would you say to him now? He's my first rock star crush. I mean, I would have said, I just burst out and said, like I've said to people who I admire, I love you, you know, which I love. I love Freddie Mercury. You know, I mean, Queen One, Queen Two, Sheer Heart Attack, all that stuff. I mean, all the early Queen was like, I still love listening to it. All right. Well, by the way, I want to ask you about the Pasadena Playhouse show because that's very cool. The what? The Pasadena Playhouse show, having your music yeah. turned into a musical. And, and also the fact that it's a little different. It's hometown, but it's also been revamped a little bit. So are you going to get to be there for any of the shows or no? Oh, I definitely am going to go. I don't know when because I don't know, you know, my, my time. I know when I'm going to be in L.A. I'll probably see it in December if I can. All right. So for you, it's funny because, I mean, the Rock Hall, something you can't really imagine. It comes up. It's awesome. But also having your show, having your songs turned into a musical, that's, you know, that's as surreal as going from the germs to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, going from the germs to, you know, stage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, so talk about that for a second. And, you know, what's cool about that as well is when you get to see other artists of any kind, whether it's directors, whether it's artists doing covers, interpret your work, they bring their own things to it. Yeah. Well, I've had the, I, I got to see it when it was on Broadway and I do have to say it's surreal and it's really amazing listening to somebody sing your own songs and you get to they put a different spin on it and a different, you know, it makes you think about the songs in a different way. And, and I know that with um, certain go-go songs like here you are um, heaven, which I thought was hysterical. One of the, one of the songs in the, in the, um, in the production. So, yeah, I mean, it is weird. I have to say, I'm not going to say it's not, wasn't weird seeing it and it was weird in a good way. Um, But yeah, I mean, you kind of think, sit there and go, who would have guessed that I'd be sitting here watching actors in a, in a play singing my songs and, and put to a story which is so out of left field. So, um, yeah, it was, a, it was an amazing experience. Very strange. <laughs> All right. So you said, here you are, heaven. That was a favorite moment. It's funny. I mean, have you, do you know how they've sort of revamped it? Because I know I, from reading the notes... And they've done it a little differently for uh, Pasadena. So no, do you- I, have, I have no idea about that. No. All right. So is there one song that maybe wasn't in the original that you would love to see in this new version? If there was one song? Um, I don't know. Just I'm just going to... How about... He's So Strange. That would actually be fitting for the... Which is off, I think, off the... Um, Vacation. It's a very early go-go song too. It's one of the earliest songs, but just made happen to make vacation. Um, but I think that would be fitting for going back to some of the, the storyline and the, the the version that I saw. That would have fit well in it. But I'm not. I'm. I haven't really paid attention to how they're doing the what they're what they're changing for Pasadena because I've been so busy traveling. No worries. All right. Last two questions. I promise. But one, this is just fascinating to me, and I'm such a fan, so I'm so excited to talk to you. But one since we talked about the fact you're doing a tour with Billy and again, that you're in this similar place of just enjoying everything. Is there one artist for you that you would love to do a co-headlining tour with just simply for fun? 
Obviously, you can you, Go-Go's can sell out everywhere you do anyway, but just simply for you, one artist that you feel that kinship with, that would be fun to go out on the road with. I always say, I always say Neil Finn, you know, I mean, if, if, uh, I, I love the Finn brothers and I love, I love all crowded house. I love split ends. So I always, you know, and people ask if there's anybody I'd like to work with, Kohe or, or I'll, um, open for, <laughs> I don't I went when I had line with Neil and Tim bill, but I'd say the Finn brothers. I love them. All right. I mean, wrapping up with the rock hall and, and, you know, all this, I can't talk today, all this opportunity to sort of look back. It's interesting because when you have this kind of attention, it introduces it to so many new audiences. So, and you see that of course in kids anyway, you know, when you do shows, there's the excitement of kids who are like 13 who are seeing, we got the beat live for the first time. But for all these people who are sort of discovering the go-go's for the first time, What's the coolest thing that you can, and of course now I have to ask this in a different way. What's the coolest thing that you would hear on social media from people who are just getting into the go-go's for the first time? Um, well, I would, I, I would say, I would say it's important to see the go-go's live because it's a little bit different than the album. It's like, it's a complete runaway train that's going to crash at any moment, could crash at any moment. And I think that that's what people, people respond to. And, and they love, and uh, that's one of the great things about the Gogos. One of the Gogos secrets, I think. Um, but for anybody that listening to the albums, I would say to pay it and not being able to see a live show, I would say the music is is amazing. But really, take the time to pay attention to the lyrics. The, the, the lyrics are are really intelligent and really tell a story. And and a lot of and a lot of the songs are are pretty dark, you know. Is that there's a subterfuge going on? So I'd say to pay attention to the lyrics. All right, it's funny as you say that. I know I said last question, but I have to ask a follow up. And it's funny because as you say that about the runaway train that could crash at any moment, the first band that comes into my mind when you say that is the Replacements, who are one of my favorite bands of all time. And I saw them crash on occasion. So when you think of that artist, that for you. Was that because it's funny? I think of like one of my favorite live performers in the history of the world is Patty Smith, but oh. you never feel like it's going to crash. Patty is in complete control. So for you, when you think of that combination of the recklessness and but the control, who's that artist for you? Maybe the greatest live performer you've seen. Well, the greatest live performer I've seen was was not a runaway train. I mean, hands down for me, was it was a religious experience? Was the Bee Gees with Maurice and and Robin? And I can't tell you when I when I when I think about that, it almost chokes me up because it's like, you know, it was it was it was a religious experience. It was it, it's just. But I would say, as far as a, a runaway train, I mean, I love that. I would say Iggy, you know, Iggy, Iggy. Yeah. Cool. I know we got to wrap up. What do you want to add? I didn't ask you about. Okay. I know that you covered everything. Yeah, no, this was a blast. Thank you so much. I'll see you in LA in December. Thanks, bye. Bye. Hey, this is Steve Balton. You've been listening to My Turning Point with Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee Belinda Carlisle.
If you look around, there are so many ways to make a difference. At Capella University, our FlexPath format gives you a different way to earn your degree. Take courses at your speed. Move on whenever you're ready. Education should fit your life. Learn more at capella.edu. When you look into Discover Student Loans, what you see might surprise you. We can help cover your college costs, don't charge you fees, and give you cash rewards for good grades. Ready to apply? Visit discoverstudentloans.com. Limitations apply. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.